0: Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Are you struggling with conditions like brain fog, depression, anxiety, attention deficit disorder, or OCD? If so, what you're eating could be to blame. The food you eat is what fuels your brain, and just like your car requires a specific fuel octane to function properly, so does your brain. Joining us today is Dr. Uma Naidu, author of This Is Your Brain on Food. If you wanna know what you can do to successfully transform your brain to its optimal level, don't go anywhere. I have a feeling this episode may just change your mind, and it all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman. Changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a Harvard Medical School board-certified psychiatrist, professional chef, nutritional specialist. Uh, she's been recognized as the first nutritional psychiatrist in the U.S. and has conducted extensive research on how food contributes to our mental health. She's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, ABC News, Harvard Health Press, Goop, and many others. She founded and directs the first hospital-based clinical service in nutritional psychiatry in the U.S. She's the Director of Nutrition and Lifestyle Psychiatry at Massachusetts General Hospital and Director of Nutritional Psychiatry at the Massachusetts General Hospital Academy. Her new book is called This Is Your Brain on Food, an indispensable guide to the surprising foods that fight depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, ADHD, and more. Welcome to the show, Dr. Uma Naidu.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Friedman. It's really awesome to be here with you.
0: Oh, great to have you on the show, you know, sharing a topic that I'm also very passionate about, food is medicine. Yeah. Yeah. First, share with us, what inspired you to write a book specifically on brain health and how it's related to what we
1: eat? Absolutely. So, you know, it starts off with my um interest in in what I do in in psychiatry, the nexus of nutrition, um mental well-being, but also really putting together the research evidence and bringing in some cooking skills to people who are really learning to feel better on this wellness journey. And I had become inspired both from my childhood, uh, which I raised in a large South Asian family, surrounded by a lot of food and nurturance, but also a combination of allopathic physicians and Ayurvedic practitioners. So that mind-body approach, learning yoga, mindfulness and meditation were just part of how I came into this world. And I brought that with me to mental health and psychiatry. And so I really practiced a holistic, integrated and functional approach where, you know, I do prescribe medications, but it's not a one-size-fits-all practice. It really does depend on what the individual is looking for. And I think you'll, you'll agree, um, David, that many people now are looking for ways to heal themselves naturally as well as medications. It's not, uh, it's not just one or the other. And I think that's where food is medicine and that movement becomes really important.
0: Yeah, so true, but you know it's confusing, there's so much conflicting info out there on diets. Some say eat mostly meat, some experts say plant-based only, and some say eat what you want as long as you're fasting 18 hours a day. What's your opinion when it comes to the ideal diet for our brain?
1: Absolutely, you know it varies for each person because even with my research over time, it really has evolved to be much more personalized because we know that the gut microbiome is like a thumbprint it really becomes more more of a personal decision about what someone eats and what they can they can do well with. For example, about a month or so ago, I treated a um, a mother, and she brought in her teenage daughter. It turned out that each of them had opposite reactions to the same healthy food. And, you know, it's it just always a reminder that people really now require more personalized medicine, even in nutritional psychiatry. Where I'm at is that I do feel a plant-rich whole foods diet is very important, with really well-sourced proteins, whether they be plant-based proteins, animal, or seafood proteins. So, I think that that balance becomes important. And the caveat I add to that is that you know, if you if you are a, a patient in mental health or you're an individual who's struggling with some weight issues, maybe mental health is not the first and foremost issue, but you know that you're struggling with weight issues, and you do have to be careful about. For example, the glycemic um, in you know, glycemic uh, load of different fruit. Um, while fruit is healthy, you may want to stick with berries. So there are these caveats around really the amount of carbohydrates to eat when you are struggling with your weight. And I think that those little nuances become important in discussing with people. I haven't found a perfect diet. I wish, I wish there was, but I think it goes back to the diet wars that go on and, you know, the very polarizing opinions. And that's why many individuals come in to see me quite confused. Yeah. So it's really about finding what works for them.
0: Yeah, I love what you said is, you know, everybody's different. You know, no, no two are the same. It's like our fingerprint. That's our microbiome. But I'm curious, if you had to pick like three foods or ingredients that cause the most damage to the majority of people? Is there yeah. a top oh, yeah. three that everybody needs to eliminate?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, and again, and, and and what I tell people, because I've done this for a while, I just ask people to start to cut back on these and have, and first and foremost, be mindful and aware. Because I find that when I say "Don't do something it 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 has a boomerang effect. it's like well i'm I'll give up these candy bars, and then next week I'll eat too many more and too many more so so what I, the way I frame it for people is you know the added and refined sugars we know are a problem for our for our physical health and say a history of type two diabetes in the family, but it turns out they're very bad, and Dr. Daniel Amon's work has shown this repeatedly, it's really bad for our brain so. Added refined sugars are bad for mental health period. So anything that you can do to cut back on those, be aware of those. There are upwards of 200 other names for sugar on our food labels these days. So you might actually be getting it without realizing it. So look at packages and learn that. The other is leading on from that is artificial sweeteners. For the most part, they actually unfortunately are disruptive to the gut microbiome and they impact mental well-being Certain, certain ones of them even say worsen conditions like anxiety. And then, you know, the, it's hard to pick three because I sort of have four at the top. Um, processed vegetable oils are a problem because they're pro-inflammatory. And these tend to be in fast foods because they're less expensive. So if, you, if you're sort of following right now eating more of a fast food diet, just be aware of that because that could be creating more inflammation in your body and therefore leading to problems for you down the road. And then the fourth category is sort of processed, out-of-processed junk foods that really are packaged. It's hard for us in this society, in this day and age, to, to move away from those completely. But again, being mindful, being aware of what you're buying, trying to cut back on those, and really trying to move towards a really a whole foods diet. You know, the, the, what I like to say to people is eat the orange, skip the store-bought juice because that lacks the fiber, has all the added sugars, and you're just going to get all the nutrients you need from the whole orange. So that Concept of how we need to be thinking about our food.
0: Yeah, good info I know you devote an entire chapter in your book to brain fog and memory loss for the folks having a hard time finding their keys Every morning or they can't remember what day it is. What advice can you share? What's going on with these folks?
1: Well, you know, I think that one of the things to think about is just how we are eating and it's not it really does start out with some some important concepts about um, sort of the, the adding in fruits vegetables to our diet. Now, it's not just that because it turns out that the color of the rainbow and those phytonutrients and phytochemicals are great for our gut and therefore great for our brain. One of the things that has, is understood about problems with cognitive issues is that the gut inflammation actually feeds back in a loop almost to neuroinflammation. So, it, you know, it's been found that basically if people made some dietary changes, no, we cannot reverse Alzheimer's but we can work in a, in a, in, on a daily basis to eat better and improve the neuroinflammation that is a part of these conditions. And one of the ways we do that is by eating anti-inflammatory foods. And then one way to do that is to eat the color of the rainbow, to eat your leafy greens. So it's, it's become much more important than just a simple eat your salad recommendation because there's much more science that we understand behind it now, especially around the gut microbiome. But then there are these little little things that people may not know, uh, such as adding in um, the spiced turmeric to your diet, a quarter teaspoon of turmeric with a pinch of black pepper actually has been shown to be effective uh, in conditions even, even like depression and anxiety. So just adding in things to your diet becomes um, it becomes something that you start to have control over. Using healthy fats like olive oil have been found to be protective. Um, you know, and, and there are spices like cinnamon, saffron, rosemary, ginger and sage, um, which, which, which was shown to be effective. So if you're eating, you know, uh, if you're eating roasted vegetables with your chicken dinner, one of the things to do is to up your spice game, they're calorie free, salt free and sugar free. So it's a great way to just add a boost to your cognitive health. And, you know, for brain fog, you mentioned that as well. It's been found that certain, an antioxidant called luteolin, some luteolin-rich foods actually help brain fog. One of them is fresh peppermint. So I will say to people, make a cup of fresh peppermint tea when, you know, when you're feeling a a little foggy or feeling like you're just not thinking that clearly. But then there are also some veggies you can add in, uh, which also have luteolin, like hot and sweet peppers, celery seeds, the DKO, artichokes, and a few other things that I list. So, you know, it becomes almost a combination of how do you think about your food on the plate? What can you add in? And the things like we mentioned a few minutes ago that you really want to start cutting back on because they're not, not helping your brain health.
0: Yeah, I have a patient who's in his mid-90s, his mind is sharp as a tack. He drives, plays golf, lives alone. And one day I asked him, I said, what do you think's your secret? And he said for over 50 years, he eats a bowl of blueberries every day. What's your views on blueberries? Are they really a super
1: brain food? I think the blueberries are super important. I think they they are in terms of brain health, one of the very important things that shows repeatedly in studies to be antioxidant rich, uh, anti-inflammatory properties, Um, and really helpful in in multiple studies across the board. So I think that when you can add in, by the way, fresh or frozen blueberries are great because, and by the way, wild blueberries have twice the amount of antioxidants. So if you find them fresh, maybe pick those because the antioxidant boost will help you. And basically the polyphenols in in these berries are what uh, impact your brain so well.
0: Great. I know in your first chapter of your book, you talk about the gut-brain connection and you actually refer to it as a romance, an interesting way to look at it. Our gut can affect our mood, our memory, even our personality. Share with the listeners how our gut and brain are romantically linked. (laughs)
1: They called it romance because, you know, all romances have some good days and bad days. And, and that really depicts the relationship between the gut and the brain, right? Because most people think, well, right. what are you saying, doctor? You know, and so it's different parts of my body. But it turns out that the gut and brain really arise from the same neural crest cells in the embryo when our little bodies are developing in in um, uh, in the embryological stage. And then they grow apart and form these two organs and then are linked by what 's called the wandering nerve in the body, the vagus nerve, which is the tenth cranial nerve, that links the uh, the brain to the gut and the gut to the brain, and really, I like to call that a two way superhighway because it 's a connector for chemical messages twenty four seven up and down and bidirectional so so there 's always communication going on so on days that you know the romance is not going so well, that would be a not so cool communication and mostly related to the fact that you're not eating the best diet. So eating the junk foods and the processed foods, that would be causing the microbes in your gut, of which there are at least 39 trillion down there, to really be um, taken over by the bad microbes. So when the bad microbes are fed with sugar and added, um, you know, added refined sugars and and, um, junk foods and things like that, they thrive. When they thrive, they overcome the good microbes that are really there to help you with your immune health, with your physical health, with your mental health, with so many things. And one of the, one of the things that impacts this balance is food. It can also be stress, hormones, several other things, but food is one of them. And essentially, a bad, bad, bad day would be when you're not eating well because those microbes start to become impacted. You may not feel it immediately. But those changes in research have been shown to start to impact your gut microbiome in 24 hours. And down the road, if you continue down the path of that not-so-great diet, you will start to develop inflammation in your gut. And unfortunately, you know, that is a setup for worsening mental health symptoms or new mental health symptoms. And it's something just to, to think about as we understand gut health more. And there's, you know, tons of burgeoning research in the area. I don't want to overstate it, but it really has been shown to be a real connection, and studies are pointing to the fact that we need to be paying attention to how we are eating.
0: Yeah, it's funny how you say, you know, romance has good days and bad days. I thought about it as, you, as, you, as you're saying that. Uh, when you get into a fight and you say, you know, I hate your guts, it, it's a literal thing. <laughs>
1: You mean that literally? <laughs> oh, gut instinct, you know. Yeah, Exactly, gut instinct, <laughs> uh, that kind of stuff. Exactly. You know, it, it, it's, I don't, it's I don't lot, think I like that man. Me. I trust my gut
0: yeah. instincts. I don't think he's for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Hey, let's talk about something most of us are enduring the past year, stress. Uh, you yeah. know, so much has a negative effect on the brain. Do you have any suggestions on natural ways people can combat stress?
1: Absolutely. So it doesn't, you know, one of the very big components is food, which I'll go to in a second, but it also involves things like mindfulness, mindful eating, you know, using an app to calm yourself down, using even simple breathing techniques, the power of a deep breath when you're feeling just so stressed and so overwhelmed by stuff. And then, you know, when you're thinking about your diet, understand that when we reach for things called comfort foods, they're actually really create discomfort for your brain. So it's sort of a misnomer. I mean, we use it all the time, but I just really want to help people start, start just, just be mindful of, of the fact that they're not great for your brain. So rather than the tough spots we find ourselves in, especially during the pandemic where we may not have made the best food choices, is start to replace those with some healthier options, you know, so crunchy popcorn or pretzels can be um, you know, fresh spinach or kale chips made in the oven, you know, the easy recipe, um, two or three ingredients and roasted in the oven. And, you know, how, how can we think about our stress in a different way? How can we move from that, you know, position of feeling so stressed to eating slightly healthier, exercising helps as well, being, you know, moving, uh, uh, mini meditation helps, improving our sleep hygiene helps. Uh, paying attention to our overall sort of um, you know body rhythms in terms of circadian rhythms all of this all of these things are you know they don't exist in just one pocket they're all in our body and I think that I think that we need to start thinking about that as we want to improve our health. it's not just one thing it's in the context of everything else.
0: That's so true. What's your views on coffee? I've had guests on the show saying it's great for brain health. It prevents Alzheimer's disease. And other guests say coffee is destructive to the brain. Are you a Java fan or should we avoid it?
1: Um, I'm a Java fan. Um, and, and for me, it's really about um, what, how much you have, the quality of coffee you have, and what you add to it. Those three things, I think, are very, very significant when it comes to coffee. Studies have shown that 400 milligrams or less um, of coffee in a day, most people can can tolerate and do okay with. Um, the I think that for people with anxiety or conditions where they just feel more jittery or more uncomfortable, then they need to move to half caf, decaf or give it up. But coffee has a place in our lives and it has some some powerful benefits. So I'm actually, you know, I I'm I'm for coffee, but if you but if you're adding a, a ton of processed creamer, which is then a processed food. To your um, coffee and then eat sugars or, or artificial sweeteners. You know, then yeah. then you're not doing your body good. So so you're so with coffee good. and alcohol, that's always the issue.
0: Yeah. yeah, when you bring up alcohol, you know, some say one to two glasses is healthy. So wine is okay, just don't overdo it. Same same protocol as is with coffee.
1: Right. So so definitely wine has had some benefits. Um, it's a similar thing. You know, as a psychiatrist, I also people she had seen people during the pandemic who will not realize that from having a glass of wine at dinner, they're now having a bottle of wine at at home at night, um, which is four glasses. So I think firstly, awareness, um, you know, reaching out if you need help, if if you struggle during the pandemic, we know from statistics that people are struggling more with drug and alcohol abuse. So, you know, reaching out for help, whether that's through a friend, um, a hotline, taking yourself to a hospital, calling a therapist. I think that's one very important factor. But if, but, you know, in general, a glass of wine um, with your dinner, unless unless it hel- um, it, it, it or can also impact your sleep. So I wouldn't suggest sort of using it as an aid from the sedating effect to put yourself to sleep, because ultimately it disrupts your sleep architecture. But you know, enjoying a glass of wine or the cocktail that you like, I, I would say with cocktails, the cleaner the better. Not you know simple syrup is sugar, um, and added added liqueurs add more not just calories, they add more sugar calories, which is important. So I think that the cleaner, the better. So whatever it is with the, with the squeeze of a fresh citrus or a, a splash of salsa is very different from, you know, three to four um, things in that fancy cocktail. And if that's your favorite, then by all means, I'm not saying give it up, just have it less frequently, drink a lot of, you know, keep yourself well hydrated. Because I do think, you know, um, one of the things that I care about, especially as a chef, is that food is supposed to be enjoyed and, and supposed to be delicious. So when people wanting to be healthier, it's important to find that balance for themselves of moving from, you know, what is otherwise the standard American diet, from which we can all improve, to healthier options and tweaking those things like the coffee affects them or they're relying too much on alcohol. All of that becomes part of the, the balance of what they're doing.
0: That's great. You know, I enjoyed reading your book. I know in the minute or two we have left, I wanted to f- find out from you, did you have any aha moments that you discovered while researching your book, something that made your jaw drop, some golden nugget? You said, I can't wait to share this.
1: <laughs> uh, absolutely. So I think that this is, um, this is in the spirit of the burgeoning, you know, gut brain um, access research that, you know. That when they then, and this by the way came from animal research. And let me preface this by saying "I, I don't only rely on that, but it was what was interesting to me was what will come of this research in the future. Um, because it was surrounding a very serious condition called, you know, schizophrenia. And they basically transplanted a fecal transplant from individuals diagnosed with schizophrenia into germ free mice who did not have a microbiome. And those mice developed the symptoms. Of the illness, and what I thought was powerful about that is how could that impact our treatment for the future of individuals with, you know, whether it's depression and anxiety or more, um, more I would say, uh, serious illnesses. Uh, they're all serious, but with schizophrenia, sometimes individuals have uh, have a very hard time. And I think that if this research informs uh, how we can move forward in treatments, I think that would be fascinating.
0: Yeah, that is very fascinating. I I think we've just touched the tip on the future of the microbiome. I really do. I think we're going to see so much exciting things in the next 5, 10 years. It's going to be mind-boggling. Anyway, thanks so much for sharing your thoughtful information. Uh, Pun intended They're thoughtful. (laughs) 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 Thought-provoking. Thanks, Christine. It was was,
1: awesome to talk to you.
0: (laughs) It was great. The book is called This Is Your Brain on Food, an Indispensable Guide to the Surprising... Foods that fight depression, anxiety, PTSD, OCD, ADHD, and more. To get your copy, go to umanaidu.md.com, and let me spell that for you. It's U-M-A-N-A-I-D-O-O-M-D. And while there, be sure and check out the videos and articles that she has available to help you improve your brain health. You can follow her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dr. Uma Naidu. If you don't already follow me on social media, on Twitter. I'm at Dr. David Friedman. And also on Facebook, Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, you put it at Dr. D Friedman. And that's me on Instagram. If you heard something today that would benefit somebody you know, send them the link to this podcast. It's available at toyourgoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com. And check out our podcast library. Share these segments with friends, family, coworkers, and on social media. Sharing is caring. Also, you can subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.